Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. And we are live on this Sunday, the 7th of January, the Feast of the Epiphany. Welcome, brothers and sisters. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here of Priests for Life. For our first time, audience, welcome. You are at home here, and we hope you return frequently. For those of you that are regulars, welcome back. It's always great to be with all of you, and we want to pray for each other as we delve into the Word of God on this beautiful feast, so rich in history and content and symbolism and theology, so, so rich in spirituality. It, it, it really it gives us a, a guide for our own lives, as we will, uh, as we will discuss. So leave your prayer intentions, too. We want to pray for one another, and uh, you can leave your intentions in the comments, uh, as many as you wish. Let's put ourselves in God's presence. Let's celebrate this feast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We thank you, Lord, with great joy that you have sent your Son to the earth. We have been celebrating the feast of his coming. We have been looking at this beautiful feast from so many different angles, from the angle of uh, the child himself, born in the manger, fulfillment of all the prophecies, Savior for all people, born in the city of David. From the perspective of Mary, the mother of God, from the perspective of St. Joseph and, and the Holy Family, we've looked at it from the perspective of the, the shadow of the cross even being on that on that crib, as Herod orders the slaughter of the innocents. We've celebrated all these different days, Lord God, and today we come to the day where we, we celebrate His revelation to the nations as the Savior of all the world. Enable us, Lord God, to enter into the joy of this feast, because a Savior truly has been born for all the people. May we proclaim that. May we make it real in our lives. May we build the culture of life, worshiping this Lord of life for all our days and unto all eternity, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's do the readings here, starting with a reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Rise up in splendor, Jerusalem. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick clouds cover the peoples. But upon you the Lord shines, and over you appears His glory. Nations shall walk by your light, and kings by your shining radiance. Raise your eyes and look about. They all gather and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters in the arms of their nurses. Then you shall be radiant at what you see, your heart shall throb and overflow. The riches of the sea will be emptied out before you, the wealth of the nations shall be brought to you. Caravans of camels shall fill you, dromedaries from Midian and Ephah, all from Sheba shall come, bearing gold 
and frankincense and proclaiming the praises of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you sing with me the responsorial, Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. O God, with your judgment endow the King, and with your justice the King's Son. He shall govern your people with justice, and your afflicted ones with judgment. Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. Justice shall flower in his days, and profound peace till the moon be no more. May he rule from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. The kings of Tarshish and the isles shall offer gifts. The kings of Arabia and Seba shall bring tribute. All kings shall pay him homage. All nations shall serve him. Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. For he shall rescue the poor when he cries out, and the afflicted when he has no one to help. He shall have pity for the lowly and the poor. The lives of the poor he shall save. Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for your benefit. Namely, that the mystery was made known to me by revelation. It was not made known to people in other generations, but as it now has been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and co-partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The gospel reading comes to us from St. Matthew. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him homage. 
after their audience with the king. They set out. And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The beauty of this feast, foretold by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 60, from which we read, Caravans of camels shall fill you, all from Sheba shall come. The prophecy even mentions the gifts that would be brought to Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and the praises of the Lord. All of this was foretold for a very simple reason. Today, if you will, is the unfolding of those words that were spoken to the shepherds in the field on Christmas night. Because the, the angels said to them, A Savior has been born. For all the people. Now, when the angels said to the shepherds, all the people, it didn't just mean all the people in Bethlehem and its surrounding area. It didn't even just mean all the people of Israel or all the people of the world at that time. It meant literally all the people, all humanity from Adam and Eve to the very last human being who would ever be created. This Messiah is God. This baby born in the manger is the almighty creator and ruler of the entire universe. Of course he's for all people. God doesn't come just for some. He is for all the people. This was announced on Christmas night. It unfolded gradually then through the life and ministry of Jesus through the preaching of the apostles, as we read in the Acts of the Apostles, when, when to the surprise of many, to the consternation of some, the, 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 the gift of the Spirit and the, and, the, and the faith in the gospel was opened up to the Gentiles. We see this unfolding in the subsequent years and decades. And we see it, well, we see it concretized in the commission of Jesus, right, on, on, uh, on Easter night. Go and proclaim the gospel to every nation, beginning here in Jerusalem, repentance for the forgiveness of sins is to be preached. Now, he said that on Easter night. And then 40 days later, just before ascending into heaven, he gives the Great Commission. All of this is the same decision of God unfolding before our eyes. The eternal decision of God unfolding in time. In eternity, everything is present at the same time, but in time, it's one day after another, one year after another, one event after another. And so we see before he ascends into heaven, he gives the Great Commission. What does he tell them? Preach the gospel to every creature. He doesn't put limits. He doesn't say preach it to this nation, but that to that, to that nation, to this demographic, but not to the other one. Because this is God who has come to save us, and because he has taken upon himself our human nature, it flows from that that this is for all people because there's only one God and there's only one human nature. You put two and two together. 
This God is the God of the whole universe. This Lord is the Lord of every nation. He is the creator of every human being from Adam and Eve till the last. And therefore, for the God of all to take upon himself the one human nature that we all share, no matter what differences in skin color, ethnicity, no matter what differences in language or custom, no matter what differences even in belief, no matter what differences in dependency or age, unborn as well as born, we all have the same, one and the same human nature. Lots of differences, but the same humanity. And what does it mean then that God takes that humanity upon himself, that he is opening the door to salvation for all the people. So this becomes more and more explicit, again, as the ministry and life of Jesus and of the church unfold. We cannot afford to lose sight of this. And this is the first key point to draw from this visit of these three kings, these, the, the, the presentation of these gifts. That, in fact, we must never waver in our fervor and zeal to bring the gospel to every creature. Everyone. Now, we have respect for and we defend religious freedom. We have respect for people no matter what their faith is and even those who have no faith. But at the same time, we have enough respect for them to proclaim to them the truth. And we have enough respect for that truth to proclaim it unadulterated. We have enough respect for Jesus. We talk about uh, uh, the respect we have for people, and yes, we always have to affirm that. We we also have respect for Jesus. We have enough respect for Him to say, Lord, what you said is true, and you died for all people, and I'm going to tell them all. Just like you said, proclaim the gospel to everybody. I'm going to tell them all. Notice these, these magi did not simply come to look at the baby. What does the gospel tell us? This is a key point to this, this universality of the gospel, this call of all people to believe in Christ. It says they worshipped him. They prostrated themselves before this child. These were not sons of Israel. These were magi from, from afar. And they came and they worshipped the child. In other words, they didn't it wasn't some kind of inter-religious uh, handshake. No, oh, we respect you, you respect us. Hey, Mary and Joseph, you know, this is great. You know, he's going to start a whole new religion, uh, the Christian way. You know, we're from a different faith. And, you know, shake hands, let's live in peace. It wasn't putting the, their beliefs on an equal level. They worshipped him. They prostrated themselves before him. In other words, this is the one that the whole world is called to follow. This is the one. He has come. All need to be converted to him. On the last day, you know, we're in the period of time now where we who believe the gospel have the opportunity to proclaim it. The day is coming when all that will be brought to a conclusion. And this child, proclaimed by the angels to the shepherds, worshipped by the Magi, believed in throughout the world, will return in glory. And on that day, what the Magi did will be done by everyone because Scripture tells us what? 
Every knee shall bend on the heavens, in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue proclaim to the glory of God the Father, Jesus Christ is Lord. The scriptures tell us, every eye shall see him even of those who pierced him. Can you imagine what those who actually nailed him to the cross are going to think and, and feel when they see the one they nailed to the cross coming on the clouds in great glory accompanied by his angels and the dead are, are being raised and the judgment is being convened on the last day? I'd like to be standing next to them and have a little conversation. See what comes out of their mouths. Every eye will see him, even of those who pierced him. Every eye will see him, even of those right now who run away from him. Every eye will see him, even of those who hate him. Every eye will see him, including of those who right now in a sustained and systematic way try to destroy Christian values, try to indoctrinate our children with anti-gospel values, those who hate the faith, those who want to try to destroy faith in God, those who can't even mention God, in there, even when they pretend to be talking about him, every eye will see him, every knee will bend. Every knee will bend. Brothers and sisters, Mohammed's knee will bend. Moses' knee will bend. Buddha's knee will bend. Confucius' knee will bend. Every knee will bend. It's the first key lesson from this feast. Let's proclaim him with confidence. We proclaim him secondly because mankind, humankind lives under darkness. We hear that at the beginning of this prophecy of Isaiah 60. He says, your light has come. Christ is the light of the world. Why does this make us rejoice? Because darkness covers the earth. What is that darkness? Thick clouds, it says, cover the people. Well, first of all, it's, it's, it's the darkness of, of sin. Our first parents led us into rebellion against God. That's darkness. You choose sin, you choose death. It's the darkness of death. It's the darkness of ignorance of God. Blessed are we, O Israel, the prophet Zephaniah says, because what is pleased God, pleases God is known to us. God began this, this work of bringing His glory, His light, His truth, His salvation to all the world. He began by choosing Israel. He entered into a special covenant with them. He revealed things to them through the prophets, through the law, through Moses, that the other nations did not know. That was a key theme when, they, when God's people inherited the promised land. They, they were told, be careful about these other nations around you. You're going to have to fight them, and you're going to have to fight them spiritually, not just, just uh, uh, militarily. There's lots of military battles. You're going to have to fight them, and this is more profound and more important, spiritually, by not imitating their idolatrous practices, by not imitating their worship of demons. Unfortunately, too many of the people of Israel did imitate their worship of demons. They killed their children like we're killing them by abortion, and that's why the exile happened. They got thrust off of their land. In the end, some of them came back, and of course, the promise unfolded, and the descendant of David became born and was the Messiah proclaimed at Christmas and now worshipped by the Magi. But the point is, through all of that, there was a, an awareness that light had come to the people of Israel and they knew truth that the other nations didn't know. And this truth is saving truth. Jesus says the truth will set you free. 
And so the prophet Isaiah is, is saying, this is the reason we rejoice now, because we know God. A lot of people believe in God, they're not quite sure what he thinks. We know what he thinks. Not every thought that he has, we have to be God to know every thought, but we know what he thinks about us. We know what he thinks about human life. We know what he wants us to do. We know where he wants us to be. He wants us to be with him in a life that never ends with full peace and joy and love for one another. So the prophecy says, see, darkness covers the earth. We're alienated from God. We're at enmity with Him. We don't know Him, and we are under the shadow of death. Isaiah will, well, he already did in, in, in chapter 25, say that the Lord will destroy the web that is woven over all nations. He will lift up the veil that veils all peoples. Death. He says he will destroy death forever. That's part of what's being proclaimed today. These magi, these kings, worship him. They kneel before him. They prostrate themselves before him because in him alone is the solution to death. The web that is woven over all nations, the darkness that covers the earth is going to be scattered. The Lord will destroy death forever. That's the second lesson here. This is the feast of welcoming eternal life. That's why every nation on earth will adore Him. And finally, the revelation that we celebrate today, Epiphany, it's a Greek word for revelation, manifestation. And actually, this visit of the Magi is one of three events that historically, this is a very historically rich feast, one of the very oldest Christian feasts. Very historically rich, and there are actually three events celebrated by the Epiphany. One is the one we've just been discussing. The other is uh, his baptism in the Jordan, because that... And tomorrow is the Feast of the Lord's Baptism, and we'll be reflecting more on, on this event tomorrow. But uh, that event, too, is included in this revelation, this manifestation, because Jesus comes up out of the water, and what happens? The Spirit descends, and the Father's voice is heard, and He says, This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. And then the third event is the wedding feast at Cana, when He changes water into wine, His first public miracle. And it says, Thus did He epiphany His glory. The gospel says, thus did he reveal his glory. Who is this that can change water into the best wine we've ever had? It, this is somebody special about this. There's something special about this person. Yes, his disciples, it says, began to believe in him. That's the purpose of the manifestation. Not just to give us, oh, isn't this wonderful? Wow, wow. It's not just to make us say, wow. It's to make us say, I believe. That's the purpose. Just like the healing of the man born blind, it led to him calling Jesus Lord. The point wasn't just, oh, let me help you, let me let you, uh, let you see. That was part of it. But that part of it was for a purpose. And the purpose was, let me see, Lord Jesus, who you are. To be able to worship him, to bow down like these magi did. The disciples began to believe in Him. So it's those three wonderful uh, events revealing who Jesus is. Visit of the Magi, baptism in the Jordan, changing water into wine at Cana. But this revelation of Jesus Christ, and this is the third, third and final point I want to make uh, here today. This revelation of Jesus Christ 
is also a revelation of us. It's a revelation about human life. Jesus Christ, the church teaches, doesn't only reveal to us who the Father is. He reveals to us who we are. You want to know what God thinks about human life? Here's your answer. He became one of us and He lifts us up to His throne and He destroys death and He destroys sin and He makes us His sons and daughters. The sanctity of human life. Life was already sacred because God created it. Now it's even more sacred because God joins it to Himself and gives us a share in His life. And here's the point. When we celebrate Epiphany, when we see the revelation of God in Christ, we understand what human life is and we recognize that human life itself is an epiphany of God. It is not only these great events, the wise men, the water into wine, the Father's voice heard at the, in the Jordan, it's also human beings who are a reflection, a manifestation, a revelation, an epiphany of the glory of God. We read it in Genesis, God made us in His image. He didn't make anything else in His image. Creation does reflect the glory of God. Of Psalm 19 tells us, Romans chapter 1, creation shows us the characteristics of the wisdom and the intelligence and the power and the beauty of God. But only human beings are made in His image and likeness. We share with Him, for example, dominion over creation. We are able to relate to Him in a way that powerful and beautiful waterfalls cannot relate to Him. They're powerful and beautiful. They're more powerful than we are physically, but they, can't, they don't have a relationship with the Creator that is conscious and deliberate. We have freedom of will. We have intellect. We have a relationship with God. His Spirit dwells in us. This is the sanctity of human life is is rooted in the capability, unlike anything else in creation, unlike our pets, unlike the mountains, unlike the stars. We as human beings have that relationship, that capability of relating to God. Human life is a revelation. I'm on a, I have in my hands here a, a document called The Gospel of Life. St. John Paul II wrote it. And let me just read a little paragraph here. It says, Life Human life, life is always a good. This is an instinctive perception and a fact of experience, and we are called to grasp the profound reason why this is so. Why is life a good? The question is found everywhere in the Bible. And from the very first pages, it receives a powerful and amazing answer. The life which God gives us is quite different from the life of all other living creatures, as I was just explaining, inasmuch as man, although formed from the dust of the earth, is, and here's the answer to the question, a manifestation of God in the world, epiphany, a sign of His presence, a trace of His glory. This is what St. Irenaeus of Lyon wanted to emphasize in his celebrated definition. Man, living man, is the glory of God. Upon you, Jerusalem, the Lord shines, and over you appears His glory. 
If we, like the Magi, are to prostrate ourselves before this child, if we, like his disciples at Cana, are to begin to believe in him, then we must acknowledge the glory of God in human life. These two movements of the heart and mind and soul go together and can never be separated. We cannot say, all hail the glory of God in Christ Jesus, and at the same time deny the dignity of human life, even the tiniest human lives in the womb. Can't be done, brothers and sisters. Can't be done. Our yes to Christ is a yes to human life. Our reception, our seeing the glory of God as He manifests it in the epiphany is to see the glory of God manifested in every human life, in every unborn child, in every person, no matter how small, no matter how dependent, no matter how sick, no matter how different from us, no matter how burdensome, no matter how inconvenient, no matter how unplanned, no matter how unwelcome, no matter anything. No matter anything. And that's the road to peace on earth. You know, in Christmas we, 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 we sing and we talk and we hear about peace on earth. Christmas is not simply about wishing for peace on earth. Christmas is about how we get there. How we get there is that we recognize the glory of God in Christ and we recognize the glory of God in every human life. If we recognize the glory of God in every human life. We're not going to trample on that human life. If we recognize the glory of God in every unborn child, we're not going to dismember them and decapitate them and throw them away or start to think that maybe it's just too much to ask of us to welcome that child. No, we're going to run to welcome that child. We're going to do everything in our power to welcome that child joyfully because we're welcoming God himself. In every welcome that we give to one another, we're welcoming God. That's the road to peace on earth. That destroys terrorism. That destroys the selfishness of a society that lashes out with violence whenever it can't handle a situation. The glory of God in human life. There's the epiphany. Let's celebrate it. Let's, let's recommit ourselves today to worshiping Christ, to proclaiming Him to all the nations, and to serving Him by serving, honoring, respecting the gift of human life. Amen. Let us pray. What a day, Lord God. What a feast. What a rich revelation of who you are. Thank you, Lord God, for just all the history that unfolds before us today. All the miracles, all the light, the glory. Lord God, let us never forget this glory. Let us never forget the glory of the face of Christ and let us never forget the glory on the face of every human being, starting with our unborn brothers and sisters. Let us never miss that glory. Lord, we... We come before you begging that we might never miss it. Let us never miss it. Many people pray to you, Lord, because they want something they don't have. Lord, we also pray for you that we might not miss something we already have. We already have the, the truth. We already have you. We already have the revelation. 
the epiphany. We already have it in the glory of every human life. Let us not miss it. Lord, we pray not only that we might receive, but that we might recognize, that we might recognize what we have. As we pray to you, Lord, we pray for all those that, who do not yet believe in Christ. He has been revealed as the King of the nations, the salvation of the nations, the light of the nations. Lord, for all those right now who do not believe in Christ, who do not know that He is their Savior too, give them the gift of faith. Let there be an epiphany miracle today in the lives of many people who will recognize Jesus Christ as Lord, the one before whom every knee will bend on the last day. Lord God, we pray, furthermore, for all those whose dignity, whose human dignity is not recognized by those around them or those who have power over them and therefore whose lives are in danger. Especially we think of our, our brothers and sisters still in the womb. Protect them. Because of the, the glory the, of, of you, Lord God, shining in the, through their lives, we ask for their protection. And we ask that we might do everything that we can do to speak up for them and to protect them in turn. And Lord God, we pray that all those who have needs today will find in your love the answer to those needs. Give us wisdom where wisdom is needed, consolation in sorrow, guidance in doubt. Give us, Lord, provision where there are lacks of, 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 of necessities of life. Give peace where there is conflict. Give us salvation where there is sin, forgiveness, where there is repentance. Give us yourself. And now we sum up all our prayers in offering the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, thank you, friends. Have a great Sunday, a great Feast of the Epiphany. We'll be back with you tomorrow for the reflections on the Feast of the Lord's Baptism. And meanwhile, stay connected with our website, endabortion.us. Lots of things going on and lots of things that we will keep you updated about. Endabortion.us. And stay tuned for another moment. I'll give you the special message from Dr. Al Vita King. God bless you. Happy Lord's Day. Talk to you soon. I'm Dr. Alveda King, board member of Priest for Life. More money is being spent in America to kill babies in the womb than to save them. Together, we need to change that, and today I want to invite you to support our work at Priest for Life. 
Why ours rather than other groups? Because we have a unique team that helps lead in every arena of the fight against abortion, and we activate the churches where you find people who are most likely to get involved in that fight. To awaken a pastor about abortion is to awaken thousands of people he serves. We do not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have a very high evaluation among charities and top security on our donation site, ProLifeGift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor, or you can call us at 321-500-1000. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.